This programme is sponsored by the Wolves Disabled Supporters Association. The giant is stirring. The dream is being realised. Welcome to the match day programme, as today Wolves take on Southampton. We'll hear Bully's big match preview, as well as take a closer look at today's opposition. There's also an interview with Nelson Semedo and a look at how goalkeeper John Ruddy prepares for battle at Molyneux. Welcome to today's match programme. It's Wolves versus Southampton. As always, first up we have a note from head coach Bruno Larger. Good afternoon and welcome back to Molyneux for the second time in a week as we look to continue our positive start to the new year, says Bruno. Today we're back competing in the Premier League, but when we were all together in the stadium last weekend, our attention was focused on the FA Cup, a competition I have the greatest of respect for. We approach every game with a big ambition to win, and although we knew it was not going to be an easy test against Sheffield United, I was very pleased with the attitude of all the players, because they came with the confidence and belief to play our game, and I think we did that. It was a very good FA Cup tie, and could have quite easily finished 5-2, with all the chances both teams created but fortunately we were able to keep another clean sheet, with the credit for that going to John because he made two good saves. That was the seventh clean sheet in our last nine games, so we're all pleased with how we're defending as a team, but we also scored three goals at Molyneux for the first time this season. That was something we were all very happy about, especially how the goals came through the players understanding our opponent and their system and exploiting the spaces which became available. I always want to put our best team out on the pitch to try to win the game, because I want to win titles with this club, and the only way to do that is by taking each game as it comes and doing your best. And although I made a few changes to the team, all of the players who came in are main players who I know I can rely on to give their all every time. We've started the year well with two good wins in two competitions, but we always have to be ready to focus on the next game. And that brings us to today, where I offer a warm Molyneux welcome to Ralph Hasenhutl, his staff, players and the supporters of Southampton. From our experiences earlier in the season at St Mary's, we know how Southampton are a tough team to play against. They have top players and have had two very good wins of their own in the last week, against Swansea in the Cup before beating Brentford in the league. I watched a little bit of their FA Cup game on Saturday because it was against one of my former clubs, and even though they had to play with ten men for more than 90 minutes, they were able to beat Swansea at the Liberty, which is not an easy thing to do. Ralph has done a very good job with Southampton over the last three years, and has the team playing really well. They're very solid and compact, and when they press, they press high with everyone helping together. Sometimes they have six players breaking lines with a lot of pace, and we saw this with a few of their goals on Tuesday night. The last time we played them, it was a very important game for us, as it was just our second win of the Premier League season, and I dedicated that win to you, our fans. You supported us since the first minute at St Mary's, and gave us the extra push we needed to go on and claim the three points, and I know it will be the same today at Molyneux. Enjoy the game. Bruno. Now to hear from Wolves captain Connor Cody. Connor writes, As a club we've had a good start to 2022 and today our aim is to keep the good feelings around Compton and Molyneux going with another positive afternoon. Last weekend was a great result for us. You always think at the early stages of the FA Cup that you want to go through and we always want a cup run but it's also about keeping the atmosphere going from the previous week. We had a good week and we carried on improving on Sunday, but now we've got to go again against a tough Southampton side. Last week was the first time this season we didn't have Saïs at the back three, so the clean sheet was massive. 
When you lose someone like Saïs, who's such a big part of the team, it's always going to leave a hole, but at the same time we had Marzal and Leander slot in seamlessly. It was important we looked at the little mistakes this week, because there were some, but we built on what we did as well. No matter who plays in there, they'll always do a job. Now Saïs is gone, but it goes for the whole team. If we lose Ruben in midfield, Raúl up top, Daniel, Nelson, whoever it is, we always have players to cover because we're a tight-knit group who train together every single day. Everyone realises what they need to do to help the team. That's the moment we're in and it goes for every position in the team. A big part of that group is Johnny and Pedro and it's been brilliant to have them back at Compton, back on the grass with their boots on. They've been through a tough time with their injuries, Johnny twice and Pedro with his knee, and it can be hard to motivate yourself, but they've done so well. It's exciting for us and supporters thinking about them rejoining us. They're two fantastic footballers and brilliant people coming back into the group to help us get better. We know we've got them to come and we'll welcome them back with open arms, but it's a slow process to make sure they get back right. As well as them, it's been nice to have some fresh faces with Dion and Gilo coming back, and it's given those boys a chance to return to Compton to be in the mix and in the matchday squad. They've been a breath of fresh air. We followed them when they've been out on loan in the Championship. We watched clips of Chef United and Gilo was on them playing for Cardiff, so we monitor them. It's great to see them and have a chat, and they've done ever so well in training. I speak to them when they're away on loan to see how they're getting on, and they've had a great first half of the season at Cardiff and Birmingham. We train at a certain level, and they've slotted in seamlessly. They're helping us as much as we help them, and that's the same for Totti and Hayal, who've been brilliant too. While writing these notes, I was watching Southampton, and we know how good they are. We had a tough game down there in September, and many times over the years, they've not changed too much, but are aggressive and on the front foot, and we're looking forward to it. It's another challenge we need to make sure we're ready for, and come kick-off we'll have done exactly that. Connor. Bully's Big Match Preview Legendary striker Steve Bull has been running the rule over Wolves' 2021-22 season, while giving his thoughts on the opposition who take to the Molyneux turf in this season's matchday programme. The club's record scorer, with 306 goals in all competitions during a 13-year career in gold and black, has reflected on reaching the FA Cup fourth round, the form of Daniel Podens and Fabio Silva, and looks ahead to this afternoon's visit of the Saints. Into the fourth round. I was a bit surprised by Sheffield United last weekend, because I thought they were going to come and give us a really tough game, and for the first 15 minutes, they did, writes Steve. They should have gone at least one, or maybe even two, nil up, and I was thinking, my word, how are we letting them have these chances? We've got to stop them and start the game sharper. Then all of a sudden, we got into our format, began to take the game to them, and we were able to show our class at the end. The crispness of the passing and the sharpness of the finishing were all much better, and it all came together, although I gave a little sigh of relief having got through the first 15 minutes, but after that we looked comfortable. I'm just glad we're through, because your first game in a cup competition is always a jittery one, and some big teams have had to find out the hard way, so I'm glad we've got through it, our nerves are settled, and we're into the next round. Being up for the cup. In the Sheffield United programme, I said I wanted Bruno to go strong with his team selection last weekend, and that's exactly what he did, writes Steve. I was very pleased when I saw the lineup because I was wondering how many kids he would put in, how many youngsters, and what changes he would make. I wanted us to give the FA Cup a good go because a very good crowd of 27,000 turned up, and it was fitting that the team he put out for them to cheer was a strong one. The fans really enjoyed it, and hopefully that'll just be the start of a good journey in this competition. Podence among the goals. We saw two goals for Daniel Podence last weekend, and he seems bang in form at the moment, writes Steve. 
He's quirky, very quick little player, who's also very good with his feet, but very strong when he stands up against the big fellas. He's got the eye for goal as well, which is always what you want from your forward players. But similarly to Fabio Silva, he's a player who's been on the fringes a bit this season, but the FA Cup has given them a few more minutes and offered them a chance to tell Bruno that they're good enough to start week in, week out in the Premier League. That starts today against Southampton, and I believe both of them did their chances of starting this game a world of good. Replacing Saïs We've still got a few more weeks until Saïs returns from the Africa Cup of Nations, and you could tell in the opening few minutes last Sunday that the defence were a bit rusty and a bit nervous without him in the team, but they conquered it, got on with it, and were able to overcome it. Whoever comes into the team in his place has got to step up to it, because we did show bits of inexperience on Sunday, with players changing their job from a midfielder to a centre-half or a wing-back to a centre-half. It's a difficult thing to do. But Bruno knows he has the players who can fill in there, although with the way Saïs has been playing this season, it's a massive hole to fill. But he's gone now, and our players have got to roll up their sleeves and make it so that when Saïs comes back, he's going to have a job to get back into the team. Silver showcasing his potential Looking ahead to today in Southampton, we always think Raúl is going to come straight back into the team. But I thought in the first half against Sheffield United, Silva ran his socks off and was playing like a typical old-fashioned centre-forward. He was running into the channels, finding space, getting the ball to feet, flicking it on and holding off his man. He was showing all the attributes of a top striker, and all he needs for his confidence is a goal. But that'll come. He's got to have patience, because he's a young lad, he's got to learn off Raúl, and when he gets his chance, he's got to do what he did in the first half. Although I was shouting at the pitch when he had that chance to score. In that situation, you've just got to put your foot through the ball. It was a really tight angle to try to lob the goalkeeper, but if it had come off, we'd all still be talking about it now. But he should have done what Podens did for both of his finishers and put his foot through the ball and make sure you break that net. Taking the game to the Saints We've got a tough game against Southampton today, and they showed earlier in the season at St Mary's how difficult they are to play against. However, we're coming off the back of two wins against Manchester United and Sheffield United, and we've got to continue that against Southampton. But we've also got to improve from last weekend, because if we let them have those chances Sheffield United had in the first 15 minutes, they will punish us, because Premier League sides are always more clinical. We've got to be on the front foot right from the first whistle, as we were at Old Trafford, and take the game to Southampton, because it's much harder to come back from behind than it is by being tight, keeping another clean sheet, and then getting the goals by catching them on the break. Do that and we should get a well-earned three points. Fingers crossed. Strengthening the squad. We're halfway into the January transfer window now, and we've not seen many transfers happen so far around the league, but as fans we would all like to see the team strengthened before February. We're a bit thin on the ground at the moment and we do need to get some players in if we're to push for those European spots in the league, or have a run in the FA Cup. We definitely need a centre-half to cover the gaps we have there, and probably another central midfielder, just in case Moutinho or Neves get injured but one position I feel we're definitely not short on at the moment is the forward areas. We're starting to get into a good run of form with our wingers, especially Podence and Fabio, who showed he can push Raúl for a start. But I'd still like to see us get a midfielder and a defender in before the window shuts. It's time now to get the lowdown on today's opposition, Southampton, and get our scouts' report of their last game against Brentford. Match day, Wolves versus Southampton. Two sides with a spring in their step do battle at Molyneux this afternoon, and something has to give. Both Wolves and Southampton kick off with recent wins under their belt, which should hopefully make for an entertaining contest. The Old Gold Camp 
The Cup games are special games for me, but I have to push it into the Premier League games, says Podence, looking to continue his Cup form. For me, it doesn't matter if it's a Cup or Premier League game. I want to enter the pitch to score and assist every game. Sometimes the team help me. The Saints camp. What a way to start the new year with a Premier League win, says Breuer, pleased with a Brentford win. It's just amazing that we can go up in positions in the table and we need to carry on like this. It was an amazing performance. Last time we did this. Saints nil, Wolves won. The 26th of September, 2021. An emotional first goal since injury for Raul Jimenez inspired Wolves to a second victory of the season at St Mary's. The Mexican had ice in his veins to work the opening and tuck past Alex McCarthy. The away dressing room, the lowdown. Southampton were founded in 1885. Terry Payne racks up the most appearances for the club with 816, and with 228 goals, Mick Channon is their top goalscorer. Their record signing is Danny Ings for £20 million, and their record sale is Virgil van Dijk for £75 million. Their highest finish was second in the First Division in 1984. The Saints go marching in. Southampton put in their performance of the season on Tuesday night to fly past Brentford, as Ralph Hasenhutl's men found their clinical edge. The Austrian has been frustrated with his side's inability to kill off teams this season. Points have been dropped from dominant winning positions against Manchester United, Newcastle United, Brighton and Hove Albion and Norwich City, but not on Tuesday. The Saints scored four times at home for the first time since November 2017, and the Bees had few answers. Astute business. Back in the summer, Southampton struck up a pair of deals with Chelsea, which have proved masterstrokes. Breuer's loan move becomes more successful each passing day. The Albanian's cool finish in midweek was his seventh in red and white. When asked if he wants him to stay, yeah, sure, was unsurprisingly Hasenhutl's answer. At right-back, Tino Livramento also moved from Stamford Bridge, this time in a permanent deal, and he's been a revelation. Although currently out with a knee problem, the teenager was a regular until this point, scoring his first goal in professional football against Burnley, and his eventual return will be a big boost. A new beginning. The start of 2022 brought an air of excitement on the South Coast, as Southampton announced that Sport Republic had purchased an 80% stake in the club. The new era, as the Saints became the company's first purchase in their multi-club model, has started well, with two wins from two. Two-thirds of Sport Republic, lead investor Dragon Solak and co-owner Henrik Kraft, were at St Mary's on Tuesday night to watch the victory over the Bees. One of their first tasks may be to make Armando Breuer's loan move a permanent one, given his fine form. And now for the scout report from Southampton's last match, where they took on Brentford to win four goals to one. Southampton's first Premier League outing of 2022 ended well on Tuesday night, as Brentford were comfortably dispatched at St Mary's. A right-back crisis saw Ralph Hasenhutl revert to a back five, and it had the desired effect as the Saints recorded their biggest win of the season. A Jan Bednarek goal from a set piece set them on their way, while strikers Armando Breuer and Shea Adams also found the back of the net on a pleasing night for Southampton. Scoring the goals Chelsea loanee Armando Breuer has three goals in his last six Premier League games and is enjoying life at St Mary's. The goal on Tuesday saw the Albanian become the youngest player in Premier League history to score in his first four home starts. Creating chances No Saints player has more assists than Nathan Redmond who has set up four Premier League goals. All four have earned points, too. The 27-year-old created Breuer's winner against Leeds United, while the winger last assisted against Brighton and Hove Albion last month. Over set pieces. 
James Ward-Prowse is Southampton's go-to man over a dead ball. Two of his corners this season have led to Jan Bednarek goals, the most recent one coming on Tuesday, while the England midfielder has scored all three of his penalties, as well as a direct free kick against Crystal Palace. Tough nut to crack. The linchpin of the Saints midfield is Oriol Romeo, who completed the most passes and attempted the most tackles of any home player on Tuesday. The midfielder has been a regular once again this season, and even deputised as captain in the absence of Ward-Prowse. Impact off the bench. Impacts don't usually come much quicker than that of Shea Adams at St Mary's on Tuesday. The striker replaced Redmond on 65 minutes and had himself a goal five minutes later. Breuer's form means he may well start on the bench again today, however. This programme is brought to you by the Wolves Disabled Supporters Association. For more information, please contact Dennis Green. You can find all the information you need at facebook.com forward slash Wolves DSA. The giant is stirring. The dream is being realised. Our cult heroes segment casts a light on former members of the pack who were admired by the club's supporters, often for reasons beyond their numbers on the pitch. Wolves Museum duo Pat Quirk and Neil Pennington have joined forces for the season-long feature, sharing both facts and memories of some of the club's most popular, if sometimes overlooked, former stars. Today, our cult hero is Robert Topham. The Backstory with Neil Pennington Born in Ellesmere, Shropshire, Robert Topham played for Wolves between 1891 and 1896, says Neil, joining from Osvestry. In that time, he only made 32 appearances, scoring 19 goals from the right wing. He was a member of the first Wolves team to win the FA Cup in 1893 at Fallowfield, Manchester. He made two appearances for England. He later played for the famous Corinthian Club, the amateur club credited with popularising football around the world, promoting sportsmanship and fair play. The cult hero status with Packwork He was known as Dick Topham, and this is going back to the 1890s, says Pat. He was a master at Braywood Grammar School. It was a time when they weren't professional players, but they played for expenses. He was very popular from what I've heard, and it was a time where the class society we had, people looked up to people from an upper class, and he was very middle class. He was Oxford trained from what I gather, and he'd come from the public school background. Of course, he played for Wolves, and he was part of the period when we won the FA Cup, and he had a big part to play. We'd call him a striker now, a centre-forward in those days, and he's a player who's stuck in the mind of other people. The streets will never forget Nelson Semedo. It is well documented how many of the current Wolves players made their first steps into becoming Premier League superstars. You can't go one game watching Wolves on television without a commentator mentioning the word futsal whenever Maximilian Kilman touches the ball, or when Connor Cody is brought up, there are always links to his Liverpool past, despite having not pulled on the red shirt in almost a decade. Stepping out alongside that pair for all but two of the opening 19 games of the 2021-22 Premier League season has been Nelson Semedo. But when referencing the Portuguese's background, it only ever seems to go as far as him being a former Barcelona man. However, his footballing journey could be seen as one of the most remarkable of the current first-team squad at Bruno Lage's disposal while almost mirroring that of his fellow wing-back Marcel, who grew up on the football-mad streets of Sao Paulo and didn't get his big break until well into his years. The same could be said for Semedo. 
A quick look at his career to date, and it's no surprise to see a player move from Benfica to Barcelona and into the Premier League, for Francisco Trincao substitute Benfica for Braga. But it was how late in Semedo's footballing journey that he began to think being a professional could be a viable option, which makes his story a little bit different. Unlike Trincao, who grew up with fellow Wolves winger Pedro Neto in the youth sides of Vianense when they were still in nappies, before playing together at Braga ahead of being reunited once again in gold and black, Semedo wasn't spotted until he was well into his teens, and even then it was by a club in the Portuguese third tier. Just like Marcel, he was playing on the streets, but this time in his hometown of Lisbon, where Semedo set the wheels in motion for an eventual career in the beautiful game. I fell in love with football when I played in the street with my friends, the 28-year-old explains. We would stay there all day playing outside. There wasn't as many gadgets as there is today. Kids are all on their playstations and I don't see many playing in the street today like we used to. Although I must admit, I do play on the PS5 too. These are different times we're living in now, and I believe we were lucky as kids not to have all this technology, because that allowed us to play in the street until late at night, and that's when I started playing football. Spotted by scouts of Sintrense, a small club based in the town of Sintra, Greater Lisbon, it took another couple of years until Semedo was deemed ready to start for their first team. Yet, his performances in just the first six months of his debut senior season alerted the attention of some of the biggest names in Portugal. One of those was Benfica, who acted quickly, signing Semedo on a five-year deal in January 2012, although he would spend the rest of the season in the third tier, scoring five goals in 27 Sintrense appearances, before moving to the Estadio de Luz in the summer. And from that moment, Semedo's life changed forever. When I signed for Benfica, I was 17 years old, that was the first time I realised a professional career could be possible for me. I kept working hard and I had the opportunity to play in Benfica's first team. I also had the right people around me, which I think is important. But to then move to Barcelona, it was a dream. As a kid, when I first joined Benfica, even playing for the first team back then seemed so far out of reach. So to get to play for Barcelona was spectacular. Sharing the dressing room with players that I'd only seen on the PlayStation or on TV was amazing. It was extraordinary. I learned a lot, not only on a sporting level, but also on a personal level. Not only from the legends, but also from other younger players who are not yet legends. I try to share my experience with them, and that's one of the nicest things about football. You meet a lot of people, and you make friends with a lot of people. A lot of friends for life, and I was very lucky to experience it. From being a 15-year-old playing football on the streets with his friends, to signing for one of the biggest clubs in the world football, is something all children dream of and Semedo achieved another one of his goals in the summer of 2020 when he made the move to the Premier League. Although he admits his first season at Molyneux might not have been up to the high standards he sets for himself, he's more than trying to make 2022 a year to remember. My adaptation here was good, and everyone at Wolves welcomed me with open arms, but last season was a bit difficult, and I just didn't manage to assert myself. But this year it's been much better, says Semedo. I think we've all grown a lot. We have a different way of playing, good football with more possession, and we're in a good situation. Coach Bruno has brought a different type of football. It's more attractive, and in my opinion, it's a type of football I'm more used to playing. At Benfica, I was used to keeping the ball, and at Barcelona too. It's a kind of football that I can identify with, and that I like a lot. I think it's been something very good that he's implemented here at Wolves. Of course, we always want more, but pushing for the European places going into 2022 is a position we want to be in, even though I also think we deserve to have more points than we have at this stage of the championship. I hope it goes even better from now on. That's what I'm working for. Jeff Shee on Semedo Progressive at heart is one of our core values at Wolves. 
For a member of staff, for a player, for the whole club, we're all making great efforts to progress continuously. It isn't often that we have the opportunity to sign a world-class player from a world-class club. Nelson's signing shows we will never stop progressing, and we're still hungry and humble in our heart. Nelson Semedo, Facts and Figures Fact 1. Semedo is of both Cape Verdean and Portuguese descent, and has represented the Portugal national team 24 times since his debut back in 2015, in UEFA Euro 2016 qualifying away in Serbia. Fact 2. 2017 was an award-winning year for the right-back, with Semedo securing the Primeira Liga and Taca de Portugal titles with Benfica, as well as being named in the Primeira Liga Team of the Year, the UEFA Champions League Breakthrough Eleven, and the Primeira Liga's Breakthrough Player of the Year. Fact 3. Semedo has scored an average of one goal per year during his time at Benfica, Barcelona and Wolves, with his only Premier League goal in gold and black coming in the final game of last season against Manchester United. Fact 4. The fullback has made the most tackles of any player in a Wolves shirt during the 21-22 Premier League season, and also stands fourth in clearances, fifth in touches, fifth in shots, and sixth in passes. Fact 5. Semedo is often seen out and about in Wolverhampton with his wife Marlena and their two children, Luna and Tiago. Wolves DSA one of the most common disabilities wolves hear about is arthritis, and there are over 100 different types of arthritis, most of them affecting the back or neck. Tony, a season ticket holder in the lower Stan Cullis, has arthritis in the lower spine and neck. Regardless of the exact location, arthritis can be painful and often becomes chronic. Spinal arthritis treatment may include pain medications, steroid injections, physical therapy and sometimes surgery. Wolves can help people with arthritis through accessible seats and signposting. Wolves have fans with arthritis in all stands at all levels and we aim to help everyone. Tony's profile. Favourite Wolves player, Peter Broadbent. Favourite away ground, White Hart Lane, back in the 1960s. Favourite Wolves moment, Wembley for the game against Nottingham Forest. What Wolves means to me. My first match was in 1958, says Tony, and it's one of those things you cannot explain. They get into your blood and leave many memories of players, matches, home and away games, cup wins and losses, near collapse of the club and its rising from the ashes, plus many more. For more information regarding accessibility and how we can help you at a game, please get in contact with help at wolves.co.uk. It's now time for the Fan Inside, where winger Daniel Podence discusses his football fan experiences as a child and his reasons for switching allegiances from one Portuguese giant to another. A memorable game as a fan. I've been to so many, I wouldn't want to pick one, says Daniel. I have so many great memories with sporting. Some of those were when I was one of the boys on the side of the pitch who would go and pick up the balls. I did that about 20 times and I would also get to enter the pitch with the players. I had so many great experiences with sporting as a kid and I lived a lot through the club because it made me feel better as a person. My first game as a fan. I would always go and watch the first team play at Sporting when I was growing up there, says Daniel. The youth players would be given free tickets, so I watched so many games and I was there all the time, so I have no idea who was the first team I saw them play against. No way, I've watched way too many games since then. My team when I grew up. I supported Benfica when I was younger because of my family and friends, but as I got older and went to sporting, I began to grow there, and by about 13 or 14 years old, I was supporting sporting. 
I was playing for them for a long time and I felt different feelings as they made me feel such a better footballer in person because they had such strong values, which became important to me, so I made my choice and now I'm supporting sporting. It was a natural decision for me to change from one to another. I still have a lot of my shirts from when I was young at sporting. They're up on the walls in my house and I also have three or four wardrobes which are full of shirts from sporting, Olympiacos, Wolves and also my friend's shirts from swapping on the pitch. I always like to carry my memories with me. The last game I attended as a fan. My memory is not very good, but I think the last game I went to as a fan was sporting against Leverkusen in the Europa League about five or six years ago when I was in the B team. And after that, I moved up to the first team, so I didn't watch the games as a fan anymore. I was playing in them. If I wasn't in the squad, I would still go to watch the games, but not as a fan. It was then work. A worldwide game I'd like to go to. That's such a difficult question. There are a lot of good games I'd like to watch and enjoy. Real Madrid-Barcelona has got to be one, but it's too difficult to say because even Liverpool-Man United or the Milan derby AC Inter, there are so many good games, and we're so lucky to have a lot of great games, but that makes it so tough to just pick one. In the Premier League, every week we can go to ten different games and see super teams playing great teams. A Wolves away day I'd like to be a fan at. Apart from West Brom, because they're not in the Premier League anymore, it would probably be against Tottenham. It's a great stadium to watch football in because it's so modern and comfortable, but to be among the Wolves fans would be great because they create a massive noise and it would be a good game to watch with them. Preparing to battle with John Ruddy John Ruddy guides us through his usual pre-match routines, getting him ready for battle on the pitch by the time kickoff arrives. In the hotel pre-match It's quite a smooth transition in the day, says John. You get up, have breakfast, have a rest, then the pre-match meeting usually takes place, at which time you're zoning in on what's ahead. We'll have another half hour to ourselves before we get on the bus. It's very individualised. Pre-match meal. It'd be some scrambled egg and chicken with some vegetables. I try not to overload too much, you don't want to feel heavy, but at the same time you don't want to feel hungry, so it's finding that balance between the two. The coach journey in. Usually on our table it's me, Max and Codes. Those two usually put their headphones in. I'm not sure if that's the effect of sitting next to me, but it's not a bad thing if Codes puts his in. I tend to just chill out on my own. Very relaxed. Pre-match emotions. It builds up the closer to the game you get. You go through your own pre-activations, ready for the warm-up. Then you go out onto the pitch, make sure you go through your routines that you need to feel the best for the game. It doesn't matter the level you've played at. If you feel nervous, it means you still care. Meeting the opposition. It's difficult for goalkeepers playing at the far end. When you're playing, you don't see many people. I might see a couple on the bench or doing kicking on the halfway line, and I'll say hello, but those familiarities are left to before or after the game. In the dressing room. Predominantly, the goalkeepers will sit together. It's been a bit different in recent times with everyone spaced out due to Covid, but in a normal world, it'd just be the goalkeepers sat together. Pre-match music. No chance do I do it. I leave it to the young lads to take care of the music. Usually it gets moved about. If it was me, I'd keep something classic like Oasis or Foo Fighters. Something upbeat but out there. I'm not sure what the reaction would be like. Rituals before the game. I don't like the word superstition, but you get yourself into a routine. I will tend to put my right sock and boot on first, but that's just the routine I've built and a familiarity of things I've done for many years. The teams are in. You always look at the team and see if they're going to line up one way or if they can change the system and what they could do within the game. You'd have already looked at the footage we get supplied with in advance, so you have an idea, and it's about refreshing those images so you're as ready as possible. In the tunnel. 
then it's just excitement. We missed fans last season. It's great to have full crowds back. It's made it an even more special feeling. When you hear the roar when the players come out, it's always a very intense and positive atmosphere walking out at Molyneux, which is always nice. To end this programme, it's time to bring you the squads for today's game. Under head coach Bruno Lager is 1. Jose Sarr, 2. Kiana Herver, 3. Ryan Aidnuri, 5. Marzal, 6. Bruno Jordeo, 7. Pedro Neto, 8. Ruben Neves, 9. Raul Jimenez, 10. Daniel Podence, 11. Francisco Trincao, 13. Louis Molden, 14. Yerson Mosquera, 15. Willy Bowley, 16. Connor Cody, 17. Fabio Silva, 19. Johnny, 21. John Ruddy, 22. Nelson Semedo, 23. Maximilian Kilman, 24. Toti Gomez, 26. He Chan Huang, 27. Roman Saiz, 28. Jal Martino, 32. Leander Dendonka, 33. Ryan Giles, 34. Dion Sanderson, 37. Adama Traore, 40. Hayao Kawabe, 59. Oscar Burr. Under Southampton manager Ralph Hasenhutl, 1. Alex McCarthy, 2. Kyle Walker Peters, 4. Lianco, 5. Jack Stevens, 6. Oriol Romeo, 7. Shane Long, 8. James Ward Prowse, 9. Adam Armstrong, 10. Shea Adams, 11. Nathan Redmond, 13. Willie Caballero, 15. Roman Peraud, 16. Thierry Small, 17. Stuart Armstrong, 18. Armando Breuer, 19. Musa Gineppo, 20. Will Smallbone, 21. Tino Livramento, 22. Mohamed Salisu, 23. Nathan Teller, 24. Mohamed El Yunusi, 27. Ibrahima Diallo, 32. Theo Walcott, 35. Jan Bednarek, 41. Harry Lewis, 43. Jan Valery, 44. Fraser Forster. Today's match officials are referee Michael Salisbury. Assistant referees are Darren Can and Simon Long. The fourth official is Andre Mariner. On VAR is John Brooks with additional VAR from Simon Bennett. We'll next meet at Molyneux against Norwich City for the fourth round of the Emirates FA Cup. The giant is stirring the dream.